That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And good morning. This is the Bill Press Show. I'm not Bill Press. I'm Jason Deck. I'm the deputy editor of Roll Call. I'm uh, guest hosting for Bill Press. Uh, Bill Press, uh, we have an announcement. He is on his way to Iowa to declare for president. Uh, since Jerry Brown is not running for president, uh, there, there is a, uh, a gap in seminarian-trained uh, liberals uh, with California connections in the presidential race. Uh, that's the one. That's the one demographic that is not in the Democratic presidential nomination process. So he found his lane. The, the, so Bill uh, is is uh, has found his lane and and way into the presidential uh, nominating uh, thing. So uh, welcome. Uh, it is Friday. It is a congressional recess. We're very happy about that. We have a very good show for you. Uh, some of my colleagues and former colleagues, like Cam Easley at Morning Consult, and a current colleague, Clyde McGrady. Uh, at Roll Call will be joining us, Brandon Weatherby, our friend and our wrestling correspondent uh, here at the Bill Press Show. Let's, <laughs> we'll be, just, <laughs> go let's, ahead. Just, let's just say right off the bat, a lot of Southern accents on the show today. There, well, in, in the 7.30 to 8 o'clock hour, you may you do, you do not have to adjust your set. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is coming in <laughs> accurately. There's a, a Georgian, a South Carolinian, and a North Carolinian all going to be in studio, all talking probably at the same time. Y'all come in, over here, come sit a spell, listen in, to us. Incomprehensibly. Let's here for a second. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to round out the hour with Alexander Petri from the Washington Post. But first, we're going to have a full this pro is the full Court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Now, I just want to be clear. I am not applauding this guy, but this is a new possible uh, venture for aspiring uh, Uber drivers. Uh, this is in California. A guy picked up uh, uh, someone going to the airport, picked him up at his house, took him to the airport, dropped him off at the airport. Everything's fine. The guy went right back to the man's house and robbed it because he knew nobody's home. The guy's <laughs> at the airport. He's flying somewhere, so he went there and he robbed the guy's house. Now, again, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but points for creativity and innovation. He was like, caught. I mean, it's just the house is just sitting there, officer. What, <laughs> officer, what am I supposed to do? The man told me he was leaving town for a couple of days. His house clearly needed to be broken into. Uh, the guy was caught. He was arrested and he was charged. 
uh, with burglary. Conveniently right before uh, Uber's IPO, right? Yeah, right yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Good press. <laughs> yeah, not, not great. Uh, while we're in California, so have you seen this push for the real IDs? Uh, states around the country having to update their driver's license. Yep, so I, have, I, 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 have, I have like a few months left on mine. Me too. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah and soon you're going to have to do it, as right. you said. Uh, well, California got ahead of the curve. They, they've been doing this for a little while, and they've already issued 3 million, 3 million Californians who got a real ID, except here's the thing. They might have to have everybody come back in and restart the process because the DMV was not, quote, meeting standards regarding the number of document applicate the number of documents that applicants must show to prove residency as part of the application process. In other words, they had people apply for it. They didn't, you know, actually check to make sure Take that everybody... Take blood test, yeah, your yeah, library yeah. card. Exactly. Uh, you yeah. Get the whole, yeah. yeah, all that. Seven pieces of mail that have your address on it. Right. They didn't check those documents. And so if you're one of the three million people in California who already have one of these real IDs, there is a very, very, very good chance that you're going to have to come back and restart the process all over again. You know, my my, my my 16-year-old stepson, uh, you know, is, is required to show a utility bill with his name on it. Yeah. Uh, for 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 ID purposes in the District of Columbia, and and but he doesn't. There are no utilities in his name. One, because we're not idiots. Right. Uh, and, and two, most 16-year-olds don't. Yeah. No. Like, this is a little out of control. I'll tell you one time I, I got in a little bit of trouble because of some parking tickets. You got I, into I, trouble? Believe it or not. <laughs> and I, I went to the, the DMV here in Washington, D.C. and because my license was taken away from me. And I, <laughs> and I showed up and I had no form of ID. And you know what I used to prove my ID? My Facebook account on my phone. There we go. This was like 10 years ago. So. It, it, it works. It worked. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. We are back. Uh, where to start with the news? This this has been one of those weeks where it just seems like there have been about two or three weeks worth of news. And we're not even talking about The Black Hole yet, uh, which is a great movie from uh, the late 1970s, early 80s, by the way. I just got to say it was Disney's answer to Star Wars. Check it out, young people. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's it's definitely out there somewhere. I've never seen that. <laughs> You've never seen The Black Hole? I've never seen The Black Hole. I An- feel I've paid a price for it. An- Anthony Perkins, uh, Maximilian Shell. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, practical uh, special effects. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's it's uh, it's worth it's worth a watch just so you can see like oh not everything um, it, we could have gone in a, in a much different direction than the, than the direction of Star Wars that we're in right now. Yeah. Re- okay. All right. So, we'll talk with uh, Petri about this when she gets in. You know, th- there is a possibility that they're going to unveil a Star Wars trailer today at uh, some Chicago Star Wars celebration thing. So, so this is uh, this has people a flutter. Star Wars is in the news because uh, Disney uh, announced their Disney Plus thing. I'm going to mention that in the next hour, give some more details. But it's all the Disney-owned entertainment entities, right? Marvel. Wait, did Star they open Wars. the vault? The, the vault is the you vault open? I think I think this is technically them opening up the vault. Was this a because, vault like yeah, the original Fantasia? This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Which like. Is, 
How did I thought? But that was the way you made money: is you you put it back in the back vault. Back in the vault, folks. <laughs> we're not going to sell it again. You know, I, that that was the did, thing. When did, I was did half kid. the audience even know what we're talking about right now? Uh, uh, maybe not. All but right. if, if if you don't, you know, when they used to put stuff on VHS, <laughs> when VHS was a thing, Disney. That's, would, that's not a disease, young yeah, right. young your listeners. <laughs> Disney would always say, "We are opening up the Disney Vault for the first time in." 15, 20 years, right. and we're releasing Cinderella, but you got to buy it now because after it's after we sell this, it's it goes going back in the vault. Back in the vault, <laughs> like and it's like and they, and we had to wait for Geraldo to break into it like later. Oh wait, that's a different vault. That was Al Capone's <laughs> vault. Never mind. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> right. No, but it is it is such an analog type of metaphor. You know, I mean, it, 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 it it's uh it, it is like wow. I mean, what what does that even mean now? I mean, I guess Disney would be now. Again, we'll get into this. I didn't mean to steal the thunder on this segment. It's you know, all right, but, man. Uh, you know, but what it will be like before it goes back on the hard drive. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. you you need to get it now, or it'll go back on the server farm in the middle of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be going back to WikiLeaks. <laughs> but and we'll get to that in a second too. Yes. But one more digital analog face-off because this is as as you may know uh, from you know listening to me prattle on. I don't know. You may be hitting mute right now. I don't have no idea. Uh, <laughs> The, the 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 did you see this report the other day that far from actually cutting down on the amount of waste and particularly greenhouse gases the digital storage of music the digitization of the music industry has resulted in more greenhouse gas emissions what? really not fewer even though they're using much less plastic for the likes of records and CDs and so forth uh, there, there are actually more greenhouse gases being no. emitted because it takes a lot of energy to sure, store things sure, in sure. these gigantic, you know, like storage, you know, uh, digital storage, you know, facilities. I would have so never guessed. It's, 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 and it's not. Apparently, it's not close. It, it, it's, it's, it's significantly higher. Now, there's the study like has some, you know, some di- there's some differences in like. You know, just because you're listening on a computer doesn't mean that that's the only thing you're doing on your computer. So, you know, like you're also you know checking Facebook. Yeah, uh, sure, or, sure. But um, it, but it, it is like oh, and and also by the way, you're you know you could you could lose access to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with one one good power outage, uh, I don't know. It it, it was uh, I mean, obviously, if you have stuff in the cloud, you 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 don't do that. You actually still retain the rights to that. But I don't know. It just made me think like, oh, this. I mean, some of these things that we were promised as part of the digital world have not come to fruition. We're figuring out lots of new things. Yes. It's all, but it's also sort of like coulda versus shoulda. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about WikiLeaks. Um, Julian Assange was arrested in London yesterday, apparently because he wouldn't take care of his cat or clean his bathroom. The Ecuadorans finally had had enough, uh, and they <laughs> they allowed the uh, uh, MI5 or whomever in the British Security Service to come in and arrest him. He had been uh, he had been in the Ecuadorian embassy in in Britain for six years or something like that, something along those lines, and uh, and and apparently, you know that. This is it's not as simple as him not taking care of his cat, although apparently that was part of it. There's this great New York Times article about how the Ecuadorans, you know, who, who had somewhat tired of their house guests <laughs> uh, were, were demanding that he just actually take care of the area that he had, you know, lived in. And, and he didn't want to do that. There, there are uh, some really fascinating stories that are coming out of this space that he inhabited for what, like you said, like about six, six years. Yeah, six plus years. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, he would occasionally have visitors. And when he did, he just assumed, rightfully so, uh, that people were listening into his conversations. So he would start classical music very, very loud in one room, and then he would start David Bowie very, very loud in another room, and just let those two sort of 
fight it out <laughs> while he would have these conversations so that they wouldn't be able to hear what was happening or at least uh, understand what was happening huh and what was being said I wonder, I, I wonder what, why why he wouldn't do more vocal uh, stuff. I mean, like, yeah, I, I get I get the Bowie, um, but like, why wouldn't you also put on like I don't know Lil Wayne or something? Yeah, right. To, to really mess with them, you know? our Old Town Road. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should put that on. That would have really thrown him for a loop. Yeah, I mean, that's thrown the rest of the galaxy for a loop. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I mean, everybody. I mean, it, it is kind of funny. It's like, what is this? Yeah, a black man singing about country music tropes. Yeah. Like it was amazing. Is it's this amazing. allowed? It's amazing. <laughs> is this allowed? It's like actually, Gary Clark Jr. does it all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> so right. Uh, yes, but uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. It I, is. I know this is a complete detour, but right. if you haven't heard this Old Town Road song and you haven't followed the air quotes controversy mm-hmm. around it, uh, uh, this artist uh, Lil Nas X uh, did a song called Old Town Road, which where he. It, it, I'm trying to figure out. It's so it's the yeehaw, is what people uh, what, what people are calling it because it's like it's a mix of like rap, trap music, right. and country music. Right, and he's a black man singing about like you said country tropes, and it, it debuted on the country charts, and everybody lost their minds. Right, country music fans were like, huh? What? What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so they kicked him off. He's no longer on the country charts. But then. Billy Ray Cyrus did a remix of the song, and now it's back on the country charts. And not only is it back on the country charts, it's uh, going to surpass Drake's God's Plan as the most streamed song like in the history of history. <sighs> I I don't understand a lot of things. I don't know. I'm, but I'm, I'm just going to go with this one because it's such a delightful story. I, I, yeah. I, I think we should go back to something... Um, uh, easier to understand, like WikiLeaks, then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, absolutely. Or, or like, um, so Assange is arrested. He's charged uh, somewhat. Uh, some people would say somewhat creatively uh, by by the United States Justice Department with hacking, not with obtaining information, not with uh, anything that would uh, run afoul of journalism protections, First Amendment protections, uh, freedom of press and so forth, but of simply trying to hack into, uh, help Chelsea Manning hack into a Defense Department computer. Uh, he uh, apparently will be extradited to the United States to stand trial. There is some, uh, there's a little bit of debate back and forth about whether he is a journalist or not. Some people are saying this is obviously like what journalists do. They get information and they release it to the public. Other people, uh, I think it was uh, David Ignatius's column in the Washington Post. He talked to David Kendall, uh, Bill Clinton's former uh, lawyer during the impeachment saga, and Kendall said there's a difference between somebody who shines a spotlight on information and somebody who turns on all the lights. Uh, okay, so I, I actually am really happy we're going because I wanted to ask you in particular about this because uh, you, you, my, because my word is God here. Well, no, <laughs> no, you, you you have a take on journalism and journalism <laughs> yes. ethics. I think you're you're right. you're very much in that world, right? Yeah. Uh, but I and and I am very conflicted about the Assange stuff. Right. Uh, because I, I don't necessarily think that he's a force for good. Uh, but at the same time, and I think he's a terrible person. I think he's done damage to the country. Right. I think he, you know, uh, he, the world, the world, yeah. uh, he's clearly a bad guy. He's got cases of, uh, of rape, uh, against him. Right. Uh, not a good guy, but at the same time, there is something to be said about journalistic freedom, mm-hmm. uh, which he, represents 
And can it go too far? I don't know. That's why I'm conflicted about it. I, I, I am too. And one of the things that is the if, if it is as simple as a, a data dump, um, then I, I, I don't know if that classifies you as a as a journalist. If you just obtain information that is typically protected and just kind of release it into into the world. Um, there, I mean, for for a long time, I mean, this was what sort of defined a lot of what WikiLeaks did. Now, in the in intervening years, I mean, there was they they started to show it seemed to me some some sensitivity about like trying to work with journalistic outlets like the New York Times, like the I believe it was the Guardian, uh, yeah. to 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 try to and and redact some of these things. Oh, there's that word again. It's a, it's a trigger word. <laughs> <laughs> Redactions. No, uh, you know this the uh, in in. Um, you know, just to make sure that they weren't releasing super sensitive things, but then that that kind of breaks down um, in 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 that world very quickly because obviously something like the Central Intelligence Agency will have a different <laughs> take on what what should be released and what should not. Um, so I and and again the you know there there is no you know we don't have I mean you can join a union obviously I mean you you, you guys are SAG. Uh, uh, um, union members, and there are many people in the journalism world who belong to the Writers Guild and so forth. Uh, but like, there is no federal definition of this is a journalist and this is not, and right. this, these people are entitled to First Amendment protections and these are not. And it's something that the, I mean, the courts have been not super enthused about getting involved in, just assuming that everybody has the right to, you know, a to to be a a journalist in in their own way. I mean, this is what citizen. This is at the heart of citizen journalism. I don't think that we're priests. You know, I don't. I don't right. think we, we don't. We don't. We don't occupy a tower that says we're journalists and you're not. And so I tend to to sort of break more toward the broader definition of what a journalist is. Yeah. My my issue is that like, in, and, and this isn't even getting into the politics of what happened in 2016, where uh, you know it, it it seemed like there was less journalism and there was more opposition research going on uh, into the Clinton campaign is that 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 seemed to be more uh, like uh, he was operating almost as his own intelligence gathering operation. And that that seemed to be, you know, less about like, let's let's serve a greater purpose in showing people how things work. And let's just embarrass John Podesta and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. You know, it's 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 funny because when Bill is here, uh, he, he talked yesterday about how how he's conflicted, right? Because Julian Assange, to to him, when he first released uh, the Chelsea Manning dump, uh, it, it, Bill sort of recognized, he's like, this is a good thing. This is what journalism should be. You know, the government is, is committing these atrocities and hiding them from right. us. We should know about that. Right. Any good journalist should, uh, should applaud uh, that, that type of coverage. Uh, but then it went into some very dark... And, and disturbing areas. Well, and and this is where you know there is this sort of weird crossover into what Barr is looking at, what what, what Bill Barr is getting into, and and like you know to av- avoiding like the the spying stuff, you know that that was went down in uh, in the Senate yesterday, where you know Barr said that the that there was obviously spying going on uh, on the on the Trump campaign. Um, you know, some of this information is. Is you know like if, if it's revealed, particularly grand jury information. I mean that is that is not just you know that somebody is uh, you know is a Republican or Democrat or something like that. But I mean th- this is some of this is sensitive information about people's privacy. 
uh, and in grand jury proceedings. And it's also there are, are questions of like some of these people need to be particularly intelligence assets and so forth. If yes, uh, like maybe there is a greater cause in, in unveiling what some of the is going on in the intelligence apparatus. But if it costs people to be killed or executed uh, in a country that may not have as robust a justice system as we have, uh, you know, that is that's something that is that's just that's not just a black or white situation. And also, like some of the people who are providing good information and information that is useful and helpful uh, for a greater good are not very good people. Uh, but and so some people say, like, well, well, you know, they're a criminal anyway, or they're you know a, a compromised person anyway. But they still are entitled to you know the same sort of protections that say a, a good person, like like yourself, Peter, like me, would, would be entitled to. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is this is these are uh, to me. I mean, these are quite literally the issues that like we have to grapple with as a as a civilization. I mean, this is what defines what you know how we define ourselves and there are no easy answers uh and and i that is not meant to be a cop-out on it um but um before we get into like any kind of deep thing like that you know we, we also have like the president's reaction i mean the president himself was very much um you know encouraging of wikileaks uh t- type of uh, leaks during the you know the campaign, particularly of Hillary Clinton's stuff, and then yesterday he was asked about uh, Assange, Assange's uh, uh, arrest and, and WikiLeaks, and this is the uh, the, the very nuanced uh, take that the President of the United States uh, brought to this very serious topic. I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. It's not his thing. Never heard of him. Uh, and then, as you pointed out, Peter. Uh, Fox News, Shep Smith, uh, uh, you know, uh, put together a, a little bit of a montage uh, to um, have a, just consider it a countervailing uh, sort of lob back at the president. This just came out. This just came out. WikiLeaks. I love WikiLeaks. I'll tell you, this WikiLeaks stuff is unbelievable. It tells you the inner heart. You got to read it. The WikiLeaks documents show how the media conspires and collaborates with Clinton campaign. Another one came in today. This WikiLeaks is like a treasure trove. Another one came in today. And you know, as I was getting off the plane, they were just announcing new WikiLeaks and I wanted to stay there, but I didn't want to keep you waiting. Boy, I love reading those WikiLeaks. (laughs) I forgot how much I enjoy listening to him (laughs) say the word WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. so good. It's just so good. WikiLeaks. I love- <laughs> WikiLeaks. Yeah, th- this is the and, and this is the Billy Jean part of our program, right? <laughs> like, you know, not my lover. It tells you the inner <laughs> WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. <laughs> like, never heard of him. Uh, so, so I think that the the debate about this, about uh, first the First Amendment, uh, protecting people's rights, uh, not not just within our own borders and so forth. I mean, we we may have to pick up some of that. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not uh, totally confident that the president's going to pick up the baton uh, on on uh, a, a nuanced issue uh, like this. But well, I, mean, I love reading those WikiLeaks. <laughs> well, I love a good WikiLeaks. I love, I love a good WikiLeak. Uh, I love me some WikiLeaks. I'm going to go take a WikiLeak now. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we got fresh WikiLeaks. <laughs> Look what we got, folks. Folks. Uh, reading those WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. Um, I love a WikiLeak. I love a good WikiLeak. Um, you know, 
and this is going to be, I mean, obviously sort of a circus. I mean, I'm guessing, I would guess that Assange would be tried either here in D.C. or in, or in New York. Um, and it's, it's, I hope that this continues to provoke people to talk about this because it's not, you know, there is no easy answer uh, here. And, and you know, the, the one of the things about journalism and journalists is that they typically obtain a lot more information than they publish. And part of that is a negotiated process of like, okay, I have a responsibility, not just as a journalist to reveal what's going on, but also to, you know, make sure that I do as little harm as possible, as little collateral damage there. On that question, uh, we just put up a poll at BP Show, at BP Show. You can go vote on this right now. Did Julian Assange do more harm than good? You can answer yes, no, or, of course, undecided. Uh, Get there now. Go vote. We'll read some of the uh, reactions to this and some of the numbers a little bit later in the program. Yeah, and and one thing. So you know, we we've mentioned the the, the leaks of the Clinton campaign a couple of times. I mean, one, one another one of the um, leaks that 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 we got from WikiLeaks. One some of the information we got was like the concerning the war in Iraq uh, and and the deaths of journalists and American soldiers. You know, uh, from friendly fire. I mean, like that that is information that they that they unveiled that they provided that was embarrassing to the. To the United States military, certainly, but it was probably, you know, on the whole, a better thing to know that, you know, our government failed us. They failed to protect their own troops. They failed to protect uh, uh, civilians in in the in a theater of war. I mean, like that's that's an example of the dilemma that you're in. And that, that that's exactly my problem, right? Because who's really doing damage to the country? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I, I'm not trying to give Julian Assange any kind of pass at right. all, right? But like. There are things that he uncovered that showed that our country, our government are doing horrible, horrible things, not just to other countries, but to our own soldiers. And we should know that. We should know that our government is doing those things. Right. We have a right to know that. Now, again, he went on to also do some damage to the country and the world, as we pointed out, but like... You know, there is there is some good that Julian Assange did do in his very uh, complicated history. And that's just that. Yeah. Um, turning the page a little bit uh, to the Democratic side of the ledger, not just Bill Press and his imminent presidential run. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as we, yes, as we know. Uh, CNN uh, did uh, yet, yet another town hall. Uh, last, last evening, they talked to Julian Castro, the former HUD secretary under the Obama administration, the former mayor of San Antonio, uh, and also the twin brother of Joaquin Castro, uh, a Democratic House member in Texas. Uh, and, uh, and he said a few things. He said some stuff. A well-regulated, legalized system of marijuana, I think, makes sense. It's not even 420 um, yet. <laughs> on top of that, we need to go back and expunge the records of people who were imprisoned because of using <laughs> This is important. This part is important in part because there are a lot of people, and folks in this audience probably know some of them, who have served jail time, right? Um, And disproportionately, it's impacted communities of color and poor neighborhoods of people who have been imprisoned because of marijuana use. One of the things that is, I think, incredibly striking about this uh, is that Castro is is from Texas. (laughs) Uh, and, and I mean, granted, 
being the mayor of San Antonio is different than being the congressman from Waco. You know, I mean, there are sure. they're, they're, these are, you know, Texas is a gigantic place, as any Texan will remind you all the time. Uh, they don't say, you usually say that to Alaskans, but hey. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the, but, you know, Texas is a big, broad, diverse place, and there are some very conservative parts of it, but there are some very liberal parts of it. But simply somebody who would mount a presidential run from Texas or possibly a run for other office, uh, I mean, he is one of. 480 uh, Democratic not, you know, candidates. 481, not yeah. the bills. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so th- there is a possibility that he may switch gears and and run for another office like, say, Senate against John Cornyn, who is up for re-election in 2020, a Republican senator. Uh, but but the fact that, he, you know, th- this to me speaks to a lot of the the change, in, not, not just in the country, but specifically in, in Texas, that somebody from Texas would feel comfortable talking about this. It shows the uh, changing attitudes about marijuana, but particularly in Texas. Yeah. I, and, and it's it's changed all over the place. I mean, it really <laughs> has. You know, I mean, I think of my ultra conservative parents right in South Carolina and how. It's not a big deal for them anymore, right. Right? right? It's just not. I mean, everybody knows somebody who at least recreationally smokes pot sometimes every day, mm-hmm. uh, and there are a lot of high functioning members of society who do that. Uh, it, it, it's very, very important that he went the extra step though and talk about expunging the records of people who have spent a generation behind bars mm-hmm. for stuff that like. People like me get to celebrate right. all the time. Yeah. It's it's not just yeah we should it should be legalized and uh, and regulated and taxed and all that stuff. It's also hey bro, <laughs> now that you're enjoying that <laughs> right. joint or pulling bong rips or whatever, uh, there are people who have served a large chunk of their lives behind bars for what you're doing right now, right. and they should be free. And also they they were they were doing that at the same time when it was when it was illegal when oh. it was still you know I mean it is still schedule one narcotic which yeah. is absurd unfortunate uh, yeah. but but again you know white guys uh, in college uh, typically don't get the same sort of scrutiny that black guys in Deanwood do right <laughs> so right. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, uh, you know, this, this is an issue that like, and again, he's not the only presidential candidate talking about this either. Right. You know, and, and again, they all have to take yeah. a stance on it now. Right. And, and kind of fascinating. And two, you know, the, the, it seems like even, even like the president is moving in this sort of direction by signing, you know, criminal justice reform legislation last year that, you know, is, is everybody is, is moving in one direction on this. We are going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back for the southern half hour of power with Cam Easley and Clyde McGrady and Peter, too. I mean, there's so much South going on. Uh, we'll be right back uh, with with my colleagues and friends to talk about Southern politics. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. We are back uh, on the Bill Press Show here for the 730 Southern half hour of power. There is so much South in this room. It's almost uh, overwhelming for a Southwesterner like like myself. Uh, We'll get into that in a second. But Peter first has a couple of updates from our poll about Julian Assange and a couple comments from the web. Yes, indeed. Uh, Let's go to Twitter at BP show at BP show. We have our poll up. Did Julian Assange do more harm than good? It's a close poll right now. So you can still go vote. I mean, you can go vote all day. I should say it's up there uh, right now. 46% of you. Say yes, 
42% of you, this is a close one, say no. 12% of you are undecided. Uh, a couple of comments on it's that. Like a, it's like a pump tr- uh, Trump poll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, a couple of comments on that poll. Bab says he is a whistleblower and he doesn't play politics. This country is so tribal, we can't do the nonpartisan thing. We're black and white, all good or all bad. Uh, that's one way to look at it. Uh, Big Citizen says muckraking is neither illegal nor is it singular to WikiLeaks. He may have done harm, but only the same kind of harm Politico has done to Bernie's campaign. Okay, well, that's one person's take. Uh, also, uh, just a quick shout out to Romaine, our buddy Romaine in Chicago who listens every day. He says, uh, we were talking about Old Town Road earlier. He says, I heard the song and it was pretty good. I can't believe now that Billy Ray Cyrus has done it. And that is also good, but that is BS. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on very, Twitter very, at BP Show. Uh, it's very uh, Elvis slash Eminem-ish yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. of, of, the, of yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, did it have to be Billy Ray Cyrus? <laughs> like, I mean, <sighs> all right, wait. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to the side for, yeah. for a little bit. Um, joining us in studio, uh, my friends Clyde McGrady and Cam Easley. Cam and I worked together at Roll Call in a previous life, and now he is over at Morning Consult, just down the street, really, on 15th Street from uh, from the Roll Call uh, offices at 16th and I Street. Uh, Clyde McGrady is a current colleague uh, at, at Roll Call, and uh, he's he has written uh, actually about a topic that we'll get to in a second, but both of you, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thanks for having yeah. us, man. So um, before, before we get into more of the contemporary political scene, I would like to talk just a little bit about Fritz Hollings. Uh, the former uh, Democratic senator from South Carolina, Charleston native. Peter is a Charleston native. Yes, indeed. Um, and the significance of this guy. I mean, uh, the, the you know, he when he died, I think it was it was kind of there was this Abe Vigoda kind of moment because a lot of people, I think, assumed that he was already dead. Uh, he was he was 90, he's 97 uh, when he died. Uh, you know, so this, this is not this is not a tragic death or, or anything like or, or taken uh, in, in the prime of life. Uh, but it did remind me that a lot of people had may have forgotten about Hollings. I mean, he left the Senate in 2005 mm. uh, after after a long career. But like the the significance of him um, and and Peter, I don't know. Like growing up in Charleston, if uh, how obvious it was that like the what his his sort of stature as a senator and as a former governor. He he was uh, a really big deal when I was growing up. I mean, he was omnipresent, and it wasn't just the voice. And it wasn't just the. I mean, yeah. he had that. He had that foghorn. Leg- Leghorn uh, <laughs> type of Southern. Ac- There's a whole thing to be talked about with like uh, breaking down different Southern accents, which you really don't have, by the way. Yeah. As, uh, as, I, I don't know if you lost it. Or I don't know if you're code switching right now. You know, I, know I, I you know, the story behind that. People ask me that all the time. Uh, I heard my voice on tape when I was like 11 years old, uh-huh. and I said, "Boo, I don't want that." I... <laughs> Because I had a real thick southern accent talking like this. And if you ever talked about mama and papa, you hear them talk like this. Which, that's one accent. But then you had the Fritz Hollings, who was way up here, young man. And he would talk like he this. He was. Yeah. yeah. As, uh, as Bill Clark, uh, a Roll Call's photo editor and a Charleston native himself, uh, said, if you really want to know what a Charleston accent sounds like, just listen to a tape of Fritz Hollings. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, that the, kind of southern aristocracy yeah. uh, accent. Yeah. The best. Also kind of the weird, like, Slightly British dialect <laughs> with the with the Charleston accent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, Major Raleigh. It's, it's, it's just 
there's like there's a, weird. There's yeah. also I always talk about the southern accents that almost sound a little bit Spanish, like when you're talking to someone named William and they call you William. William. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Fritz Hollings quote ever was when he was being interviewed by Sam Donaldson because one of the things that Fritz Hollings was oh boy uh, very I know where this is going you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was well known for uh, really pushing the textile industry in uh-huh. South Carolina and Sam Donaldson asked him uh, where'd you get that suit was that made in South Carolina was it even made in the United States and Hollings look opens up his jacket looks at the label and he goes uh, Sam I got this suit. The same place you got that wig. Oh, man. <laughs> and, yes, no, known for his uh, very quick wit. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then the apocryphal story, at least, is that when when he was leaving the stage, this was on uh, This Week with David <clears throat> Brinkley, uh, that, that uh, they, they was leaving and he told his, his uh, aide, take a look around, son. We ain't ever being invited back. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also think it was funny that he was a senator forever. And like, when did he first get elected? Uh, he was, uh, he was. I think he was appointed after the death of somebody whose name escapes me, and then reelected as a right. But I think it was sixty-five. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, almost fifty years, and he was the junior senator for all but two years because, because of Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond. <laughs> Thurmond. He, he actually he does hold the record for the longest tenure as a junior senator. So it it, uh, it 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 was long, but the, and also I the 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 thing that to me I mean he you know was chairman of the commerce committee mm-hmm. uh, he you know pushed a lot of uh, childhood hunger issues and so forth but like to me the one of the more lasting legacies comes from the early sixties uh, when he was governor and he he went in a different direction than a lot of statewide office holders uh, who were, who were predominantly Democrats too. I mean, like this was a, you know, this was when Strom at that point, I think had gone over to the Republican side, you know, starting the the beginning of a very long standing trend that we're still seeing in the South. Um, But, but during integration and, and Hollings initially opposed integration of public schools after Brown versus board, but came around and said like, you know, this is, this is what this is the future. We have to like you know we have to like open our open ourselves up. Uh, and when uh, you know when it came time to to desegregate or at least you know partially integrate South Carolina schools, I mean he was he was in favor of it. And that was just a situ- that was a situation that you you know he did not run for reelection as governor, <laughs> right? Uh, notably, uh, but he also was not quiet about it. And that was not. I mean, he could have easily gone the other way, particularly as somebody who was at the height of his powers, you know, as a, as a politician in the '60s. Uh, I mean, that that to me struck, you know, as a pretty, you know, courageous moment, you know, for for somebody in in the South to take that kind of position. Yeah, I think we often think of these things, um, like especially in the South, like certain positions as being uh, monolithic. Right. So if you're from the South, you were for uh, segregation or even dating back to the Civil War. You were for secession. Now, there there was like actual debates about this stuff, like within the South. There were uh, just, you know, bringing up secession. There were unionists in the South who thought, you know, we shouldn't leave. Just like there were people in the South who thought, you know, we should integrate and kind of get with the times. But history kind of doesn't remember the nuance to it. So, yeah, that's a but, good point. By the way, I did want to point out just the succession of, of Southernism here for, for those of you who may be, have been a little puzzled. <clears throat> uh, we start with North Carolina. Cam is from Goldsboro, uh, which, uh, as, as he will point out, 
We survived the bomb. <laughs> well, they, they, the Air Force dropped uh, a, 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 yeah. mistakenly an, an atomic bomb on his town. Uh, it did not go off, uh, and uh, that, that is why Cam is still here. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories ever. <laughs> people are people are right now. They're like, "That's BS." It's true. No, Google it. Goldsboro a bomb. <laughs> like, if you want that story. So we've got North Carolina. We have South Carolina in 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 the booth in there in in, in Charleston, Indeed. and then, and then we've got Georgia, Georgia. here in with, with Clyde. basically a recreation of Sherman's March. <laughs> <laughs> Are we, uh, we were talking before. Am I from Chattanooga here? We're not, <laughs> not going to settle any sort of barbecue debate here, but I think we can all agree that when it comes to barbecue, uh, people who, who are evangelical about Texas barbecue are the most obnoxious people. <laughs> <laughs> Texas isn't even the South. Get out of here. It's, it's true. That's 100%. Oh, it is just Texas. I mean, they fought in, in, in the Confederacy. Uh, yeah. If, uh, which I, you know, I learned as a th- – this is, this is how removed I was as an Arizonan. Uh, as, as a young man, the the reason I knew that that Texas was in the Confederacy is because I watched the Sam Peckinpah movie Major Dundee. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I, it did had not occurred to me uh, where they were. I will say uh, though, Sam Houston imposed it, so right. Yeah. There's some of that nuance. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, Cam, at Morning Consult, you guys do a lot of polling. Uh, we and in 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 this, we you know in 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 our in our world here, the contemporary world, Lindsey Graham, uh, who is a who is South Carolina's uh, senior senator now, uh, he I believe he actually has Hollings' old seat. Uh, uh, it, w- it was elected in two thousand four. Is, is, is it Strom's? Yeah. So uh, okay, you're right. Uh, that was uh, Jim Dement won Hollings' seat in two thousand four. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, "Wow, I forgot that name." Yeah, that that of uh, a, a shooting star, uh, but um, that fell to earth, I guess. Um, but uh, Lindsey Graham is up for re-election. Yes. Uh, he he he. You know, Graham has been um, sort of in in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you talk about it, Clyde. I mean, and and you used to work for yeah. Graham. Full disclosure in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in another life. Yeah, you know? yeah. I worked for him for. Three years from 07 to 2010. So and designed his playlist apparently. On, yeah. On his, uh, is yeah. He still, is he still listening to, to on a on a, Curtis, zo- on a Zoom? Is Curtis that, is that what Mayfield, he said? <laughs> uh, the Beatles before they got weird, as he says. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess they before were the drugs. Before the drugs took <laughs> yeah, over. Oh, somewhere around Rubber music. Soul. Right. <laughs> he got off the train. <laughs> After it, after after help, but before Yellow Submarine. Yes, you know, right. somewhere okay, in there. So the movies. Uh, but I mean, he was my introduction to, to Senator Graham was when he was in the House, and he was an impeachment manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that sort of defined a lot of the partisan, you know, sort of nature. When he got to the Senate, he became a senator and and seemed to reach across the aisle a little bit more. He was in the Gang of Fourteen in two thousand five, uh, that uh, helped avert the nuking of the filibuster and legislate on uh, judicial nominations. Uh, he was in the Gang of Eight and the immigration. He cap and mo- trade proposals as well. Cap and trade proposals on KGL. on, on um, for, to cap greenhouse gas emissions and trade them. Uh, so he's you know and and friends with John McCain. He has recently made a little bit, uh, some waves because he is cozied up to the president uh, quite a bit. He golfs with him uh, frequently. Talks about how great a golfer the president is. Uh, I, I mean, there, I think there's a little bit of trolling uh, going on with uh, with. He is uh, a troll. More, more, more liberals. Uh, I mean, he he likes to uh, sort of agitate on that. Uh, but he's up for re-election. He um, he benefited from a divided primary field in in 2014. 
uh, and, uh, and, and was able to sort of fairly easily win his general election camp. But what are we, what are we seeing over the last, the trend line with Senator Graham and his re-election bid? Well, uh, one thing Morning Consult does uh, every day is poll Americans across the country on the uh, job job approval of, of their senators, their governors, their representatives in their districts. Um, and what we found in our in our Senate approval polling is that consistently um, each quarter for the past two years, uh, Lindsey Graham has, I mean, o- among all voters, been been reasonably popular, but he's been one of the least popular Republican senators among. GOP voters, uh, so you which can, is not helpful in so a primary. So that's that's really not helpful. <laughs> and if you're familiar right. with the right. you know the modern dynamics of politics, but particularly as it relates to Republican politics, uh, all of these elected office holders are far more concerned right. about what's going to happen in the primary stage than they are in the general election. Right. Um, and really, what we've seen in in, in just the past couple quarters is a, a, a huge huge climb. In, in Lindsey Graham's numbers with Republican voters, particularly in the fourth quarter of 2018, um, which was you know coming out coming out of uh, the really Kavanaugh high profile hearings, yeah. Kavanaugh hearings, right. you know Lindsey Graham had his uh, very big moment, um, mad, uh, angry. I, I believe our uh, next guest would call that his heel turn. Yes, in in the hearings. I think that's he, an apt descriptor. Yeah. Um, we've seen his net approval among Republicans rise a net 43 percentage points. Wow! Uh, from the third quarter of 2018 to the fourth quarter. That's that's worth that's worth a few like you know that that's worth having to endure like uh, cheating on the golf course from Trump. I guess yeah. you know like, um, that's that. amazing. Small price, I, think, I mean, yeah. he, he's uh, I mean, looking at the third quarter numbers, you would have been like, yeah, if there's a if there's a guy here that wants to do it. Lindsey Graham is very vulnerable. Right. Um, that, Just ask Mark Sanford. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It might be game over right. at this point. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's – I think not only is, is you know, does it just show, uh, A, how, how important, like, you know, supporting the team is mm-hmm. um, when it comes to partisan politics these days. But it's it's also a reflection of how short people's memories are, right? Um, because you know we just go back to 2016. Um, you know, Lindsey Graham was saying a, a lot of things about uh, candidate Donald Trump. Yeah, he, he, um, I believe he said at one point, and and I don't worry, I won't cuss on the on the you. air here. But thank he you. said like my my car my party has gone bat, yeah, crazy, yeah. And if we elect Donald Trump, we deserve everything bad that happens to Trump us. Trump gave his cell phone number out right. to the to America. <laughs> he called him a racist, uh, religious bigot. Right. He called him a kook. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the list goes on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can keep going. You um, know, this is purely anecdotal, right? But my my parents, who still live in South Carolina, they are they are conservative. They vote Republican, right? And for years and years and years and years, even back when I lived there and Lindsey Graham uh, was new to politics, uh, they hated him. They hated him because he was a fairly independent, a maverick, dare I say, uh, he, he predated even people being called rhinos, Republicans and yeah, only. Yeah, He was the subject of ire from Republicans before they even invented the term rhino. <laughs> yeah, and they've they've just they've not they've not cared for him for the longest time because mm-hmm. they think that he is just too squishy uh, on his politics. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, most of his hate mail, like when I was there, was from Republicans. <laughs> I get that. I see that. I can see that happen. Yeah. Uh, and and like the and from you know what you take as an office holder, unfortunately, is that I can I can work across the aisle. Uh, I can take my public service seriously. Um, I can sort of intelligently work my way through the system and try to come up <clears> with, <throat> you know, things that may not be popular but are the right thing to do, not just for the, you know, the the Senate, you know, but like the planet maybe. And uh, that will get me voted out of office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but if I go down to Mar-a-Lago and just sort of stomach it, and who knows, maybe he likes – Gold-plated stuff. I don't. I don't know. And and Chinese uh, spies. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, because that's that's uh, that's that to me is the or the the, the sort of defining characteristics of Mar-a-Lago now. Uh, it's the, the intelligence gathering that goes on there. Uh, our our colleague uh, Catherine Tully McManus had this, you know, great uh, <laughs> the, the story that she uh, that she got, she got about a, a Senate IT yeah. staffer sent out a, a, a this email to Senate staff earlier this week saying. Here's what not to do with uh, a USB port. <laughs> you know, I'm like don't, don't, don't Randomly like if so, if somebody in. like suspicious, like basically, like at Mar-a-Lago gives you a USB port, do not put it into your computer. You know, <laughs> and I mean it was just great, like sort of like it, I mean I th- I think that we go through more security to get into this studio than we than they're <laughs> subject to at, at Mar-a-Lago at this point. I mean it's just kind of nuts. Anyway, I don't want to tell you what I found when I plugged that USB that you had into my computer. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, So uh, we're, uh, but I mean, again, I knew knew this was going to happen. I knew the time was going to fly on this. Um, But I, I want to also mention there. There earlier this week, uh, I mentioned there was a lot of lot of uh, uh, news this week. Clyde, you wrote about uh, mm-hmm. something that happened. You know, one of these sort of moments that like are very easy to sort of pass by because the president tends to dominate the news <clears> cycle. <throat> There's always something else happening, like we're taking pictures of black holes, whatever, uh, <laughs> in, in outer space. But there was a somewhat remarkable moment, and you and you wrote about it. And I was I was glad you did uh, uh, in the, in the Senate. What happened uh, in 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 terms of and, and again, this gets back to our again more of our our southern po- uh, political stuff. Yeah. So. Um... Next week, I believe, marks the 56th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, letter from a Birmingham jail. Letter from Birmingham jail. Um, and in it, he kind of excoriates um, white moderates who are, you know, ostensibly his allies in the struggle. And the clergy, too. Yeah, the clergy. It's yeah. really aimed at the clergy um, who are ostensibly his allies in the struggle for racial equality. Because they had written a letter um, in a Birmingham newspaper that kind of chastised King for his methods. They thought he was, like, too confrontational. And even though it was, like, peaceful, nonviolent resistance, they said— And they were not the ones being bitten by dogs and water cannoned. Uh, It was was King and his followers. I have to explain to my child why, you know, um, she can't go to Funtown, which was, I guess, some amusement park in Alabama (laughs) or somewhere. Or, like— why we have to get our food at the back of a restaurant or, you know, why I have to sleep in a car when I travel through the South. You don't have to explain that to Mm -hmm. your children and you're telling us to wait. And it was after um, this uh, Easter or Passover March that landed him in jail. So he reads that. 
and he gets furious and he starts scribbling in the margins a response to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ends up being the letter from Birmingham jail. But this week, uh, Doug Jones, who's a Democratic senator uh, from Alabama, led this bipartisan group uh, along with uh, Kamala Harris, um, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, Lamar Alexander, uh, Murkowski uh, was a part of it, and I think Tim Kaine. And I was just struck by this kind of a radical document being read on the you know the floor of the Senate, which is kind of the the altar of moderation, um, and bipartisan at that. And it it just showed me. Um, a couple of things like how uh, a public opinion has shifted mm-hmm. on um, on Martin Luther King. I think it was HuffPost put it up like on the anniversary of his assassination, which was last week. Like uh, a plurality of people said, you know, they felt sadness, but like 31% of people said he brought it on himself. I mean, he, he was incredible. People forget this. He was incredibly unpopular and polarizing. Uh, in his lifetime, and he goes from that to having, you know, a bipartisan group of senators reading his words on the Senate floor. I mean, in that letter, he says, you know, it's not the KKK or the White Citizens mm-hmm. Council. It's you, the white moderate, the clergyman who um, who wants a negative peace or just order uh, instead of racial justice. And it just echoes like so many you know, battles that we're even currently facing. I mean, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, right? I, I, one of the things that it just strikes me is that you know, it's easy to mock the Senate sometimes um, for these sort of displays where they where yeah. they where they read a, a document where you know they read Washington's uh, farewell address mm-hmm. after they come back from the President's Day recess. Uh, they, they read a letter from Birmingham jail, but these things these shouldn't be. I, I actually like. I think these are important moments because it shouldn't just be relegated to like high school English classes. Right, re- reading these these things, uh, and and when you actually do take a moment to read them, it, it is the language is striking. Yeah, in it. So. Um, Let's talk about something equally polarizing. <laughs> Hominy Grill in Charleston. Cam, I believe that's your account. <laughs> so, Peter, this is this is your hometown. Yeah, I so, got so, on this. so you got you you've uh, I I will say that the, the Hominy Grill, which has been uh, a, a restaurant in in Charleston um, in for about twenty almost twenty five years, it's been around for a uh, while. It's, it's closing, and we only have two minutes to to, to wrap this up. But uh, it's it's closing. It one of James Beard a few years back. Uh, lots of outpouring on it. If you have been paying attention to what's happening in food in recent years, you have seen a real resurgence in Southern cooking. Uh, now, those of us who grew up in the South know that Southern cooking means, uh, you know, a lot of it came from slaves. What's available, yes. Yeah, it came from slaves. And I will say that the Hominy Grill did not do a great job of discussing that part of Southern cooking. But they did put a lot of Southern cooking on the map. Uh, and, you know, there, it, it, I won't say it was sort of the beginning of the renaissance of Southern cooking in the country, but it was sort of ground zero for where you could eat good Southern food in a 
somewhat upscale setting. Uh, and it's and it'd be very 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 good if you were willing to wait in line for forty five minutes. <laughs> there was a line so, for it. so yeah. Cam uh, grew up in Goldsboro, but also worked uh, for a spell in, uh, in in Charleston, and that that was my experience too. Is that like I I, I thought the food was quite good, uh, but it also it, you know you 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 need to be prepared to wait. Yeah, uh, and it just became like one of those things. Like we have the, some of these this situation in Washington too, with places like Bad Saint and and. Uh, and Rose's luxury, where it's just not really worth uh, waiting like an hour. It's not. It's an hour of your life you never get back. I will say this <laughs> about what they've done, what they did with the line. You could get a cocktail while you wait outside in line, and if the weather's okay, it's not so bad of a hang. But it is still a pretty serious wait. <laughs> so, but there's something to be said for that. Yeah, and yeah. and so and your so your complaint wasn't so much with the food, but it just became this thing, right, Cam? You yeah. Know? And, and and also. There are so many other places exactly. to eat in Charleston. Yeah. Oh, that's a very fair like, point. Like there wasn't, there wasn't when the, when Hominy Grill came on blind. Exactly. But now there's the ordinary, uh, and there's Leon's, and there's Fig, and there's Husk, and there's all these amazing places to Waffle eat. Waffle House. Wa- amen, Waffle House. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Bill Murray's restaurant too. You know wherever Waffle House saved yeah. my life a couple times. <laughs> all right, we're gonna have to leave it there. Uh, Cam, Clyde, thank you so much for for uh, joining us on the show today, and uh, we will see you another time for sure. Yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Welcome back uh, to our second hour on this Friday uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, this is The Bill Press Show. I am not Bill Press. I'm Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor of Roll Call. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Bill is uh, launching his presidential campaign, uh, finding the niche that uh, that only Bill can fill uh, in, in, this, in, these, in these troubled times of ours. Uh, we have a great hour in front of us. Uh, my friend Brandon Weatherby, the editor, one of the the managing editor of Brightest Young Things, and the host of You Me Them. Everybody, uh, we'll be talking. We're going to be talking a lot about, including about the cabinet, the future of the cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, uh, it's the full this court press. is the full court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, so Old Town Road. I'm going to give the numbers on this because we talked about how popular it is. Yes, popular it is. So, Are you going to uh, break it down? I'm going to break Will it Nass down. And, and, yeah. uh, and Billy Ray? Yes, so, exactly. Right. So here's the deal. Uh, Drake had the largest single streaming week for his song, God's Plan. That was streamed 69 million times it, in one week. Is that like is it like the U2 album that comes up on your iPhone, though? Is, is, it, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't from some sort of gimmick like that, right? Right. No, 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 no. No, it's, <laughs> it, it's either they, they compile all the numbers from all the different streaming services, 69 million. Well, uh, Lil Nas X, with his hit Old Town Road, has handily defeated Drake for the single 
uh, week record for streaming. His song streamed 80 million times. That's, that's not small. I mean, that's a big, that's a big defeat. So uh, it's. I, we can I'll, bet, I'll bet Lindsey Graham is downloading it right now. Has he's, to be. he's 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 a little late to the party, but you know he's, he's just he's upset a, that uh, you know the Beatles <laughs> started doing got drugs weird. And got weird, man. Uh, yeah. So anyway, if you haven't heard it yet, it's out there, and you you know, eighty million people streamed it last week. Uh, also, on a story that we talked about a little bit uh, in the last hour, Disney Plus will be launching. It is Disney's annual subscription service. Uh, they are going to be charging $7 a month. Now, the thing is, they were wondering, what are they going to put up there uh, besides just all their old movies? From are the they going to open the vault? They're going to open the vault and put some <laughs> of their movies on there. Uh, but they they have the rights to all of the Marvel content, uh-huh. all of the Star Wars content. They also have access to every episode of The Simpsons because they now own Fox. And well. all of your home movies. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, they also have they also own ESPN. So they're talking about doing a bundle with Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. They also announced that they are going to be doing some new Marvel content, uh, including a new show called. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, which focuses on the two Avengers of the same name. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's going to be like a buddy cop. Well, they're, they're, it's or... basically like the like uh, Captain America's ex partners. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because yeah. Bu- his Winter Soldier is Bucky, and yeah. And of course, the big theory is, and it's probably right, that Captain America does not make it out of this next Avengers movie. So you're going to have his two old partners uh, working without him. Hmm. That. Also, they will be doing some new Star Wars content. Uh, there's a new Star Wars spinoff show called The Mandalorian. So, not the Midichlorian. Not the, like, not not the Midichlorian. That, that's like the, the weird thing that makes you a Jedi Knight in the that's first right. couple movies. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. So anyway, uh, like I said, $7 a month could be going up a little bit more if you want to bundle it with ESPN and all of that stuff. But that's, that's the stuff that you get. For me, honestly, you get all 30 seasons of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Sure. Right, that's kind of or you could just watch TV, which is because they're on like every every My hour. Year old has a, a a DVR alert to record every single Simpsons, and I would say that the DVR situation at my house is probably eighty percent Simpsons episodes. It's yeah. always on. It's always on. Okay, and uh, one final story uh, talking about television uh, of a different kind. Sony displayed a new television. I'm not sure who exactly the market is for this. It's a 4K, excuse me, 16K, excuse me, 16K television, 1080 high definition television. It's 63 feet by 17 feet. I'm. That sounds like a movie theater. I'm not sure who's <laughs> going to use that. I just. I, I, th- no I think. It, I think you just sell it to movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Welcome back. Uh, Brandon. Brandon Weatherby. Hello. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm always delighted to have you, uh, partially because you can help uh, explain things that I don't get. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> like, which I think actually, if we were going to arrive at a uh, a definition of a journalist, we were talking about Julian Assange. Whether, I'm not a journalist. You're, you, it's a, you may not be a journalist, but you do explain things. Sure. You you, you do you do tell people. I'm things. one ball of yarn away uh, from a garage and a sadness <laughs> and, a, and a life that I don't want. So no, I. I Have I, you been listening to like Vampire Weekend or something? Are you are you like are you no. sad? Like no, I'm not sad. I at like all. their new album, by the way. I like. The, yeah, they're the fine. Song, this life they're is fine. They're is too good. edgy. For my tastes. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't like anybody likes Paul Simon. I know that we're supposed to be the voice of the left here, but oh. like Paul Simon's always rubbed me the wrong way, and they're <laughs> just really copying from Paul Simon. I don't know why I don't be. like Paul Simon. Maybe I just don't like the nostalgia of a New York that never existed. Yeah, I mean, but like and without, stealing from Africa. But well, and and that's that's the Paul Simon stuff that I'm I'm less enthused about. Like, but his I, most I, I popular mean, solo stuff is that. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm more of a you know kind of a Kodachrome guy. You know, I like, like uh, fifty ways to leave your lover. I no, mean, like, you don't know that. That not? song sucks. That's I often I song. often disagree with Brandon. This is not one of those. Yeah, things. that that is a children's <laughs> song disguised as like quippy. It's, it's just it's not good. Fifty, well, fifty, 50 ways, ways to leave your, leave your lover. Yeah. Oh, oh well, it's a horrible song. That's true. It is. It, well, it's a, it's also just like, Billy Joel is more poetic than Paul Simon. He's the poet laureate of Long Island. Oh, I like that he's Billy an alcoholic Joel. that consistently tries to kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> Self-destructive he's like, artist. He's... Wait, so here's a, here's a curveball. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel? I like Garfunkel. I think his hair is fantastic. And I think this is a very weird show because Jason and I both had on ball caps, and then we decided to take them off because this show is streamed. <laughs> I think we've both made a mistake. I think we would look better. Both of us would look like really Today? cheap, bad spies. Mine's yeah. in the other room. I just keep mine on. We're yeah. just. Is it navy blue or black? Is it navy it's black. blue? It's, it's black. black. Yeah, yeah we both black. were wearing black baseball caps. I'm... Dressed like a fourth-rate Jason Bourne. This is not necessarily a good look for either of us. <laughs> and, and actually, we were joking about uh, joking about uh, Jerry Brown and Bill Press's seminarian past. Yeah. Uh, but when you walked in, like there was some sort of white that looked looked like you had a, a, a collar. You, yeah. You looked like a member of the clergy. This is a know, real bad week in. for uh, agnostics and atheists. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> Pope Benedict in the in the news again, <laughs> like saying that it was the '60s fault. Maybe it was the Beatles' fault. Maybe right. the Beatles when they got weird, it was their fault. The clergy abuse, uh, Pope Benedict. Uh, yeah, nope. This week. Personal Brand- responsibility. Nope, Brand- that's Brand- not how it works. Brendan came in rocking the Ethan Hawke uh, first reformer look. Oh, yeah. wow. Any so comparison to Ethan Hawke, once again, that's a. I'm not a journalist and I do not look like Ethan Hawke. I wish I was both. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, boy, I, I have to confess, I have not seen uh, First Reformed. Uh, I, I've, I never felt emotionally stable enough to watch it um <laughs> partly because i think i've spent enough time in in winter in upstate new york uh that that i don't need that kind of trigger on it <laughs> so it's mostly weather based for you it's some of it's weather based some of it's like <laughs> i probably drink too much too uh like like his character well, do you drink too so. much now probably i mean look at all this i'm like you know this this might be coffee <laughs> <laughs> no i i no, I, f- I don't think so i, I don't think how I often do you wake up hungover um, once a week. Okay. Maybe. Do you want to have that less often, or the, are you okay with it? What I'm is okay this an intervention? That. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> look, you hey, tell hey, me. Look, buddy, we all care a lot about you. We <laughs> want to see you do well. Okay. If you're not That's questioning, we, we just we love you. How did how did I go from the southern half hour of power to this? <laughs> That's the problem. You went from a southern half hour of power. That's never a good thing. There's a reason why we elected a president from Chicago and it went okay. Anyways, um, did either of you ever work in a bar? Yeah, uh, you I, did. I yeah, worked I did. in a brewery. That's great. So if you wash dishes, but it doesn't matter. You're still working. I tended bar and I was also a bouncer. There you go. Same. So if you're not like questioning how much I'm drinking on a daily basis, mm-hmm. 
I think you might be an alcoholic. <laughs> it's true. It's true. If you're, if you're and I know a lot. Uh, 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 this is why I'm in therapy, and this is why I'm a better individual than most. If you're not consistently like gauging how much you're imbibing, how much you're right. eating, why not? What are you afraid of looking in the mirror for? Right. That's all. No, and and I mean this brings up a good point. I mean, I do. I mean, like I feel like I probably count uh, calories more mm-hmm. than than I than I calculate drinks. Do you uh, have a, do you have so. a body issue in terms of how you see yourself? I do. I do. There you I, go. I, I, because mainly it's just because my pants don't fit that well, you know. So I mean, it's 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 but, more that. But here's the thing: we just, are we making anybody uncomfortable? We just out came there? from the southern half hour of power. <laughs> you are no longer obese. We're like 50 years ago. We both would have been obese. That's true. And now we're like slightly overweight. Trump 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 has changed that. And that's he's, not a joke. He yeah, lies yeah. about his height. <laughs> he's doing WWE weigh-ins instead of MMA weigh-ins just to cut weight to appear not so obese because he's a fat dude. Right, and if you just embrace the fat dude, I think a lot of people would be okay with it. Yeah, do do the Jack Black, you know, or the Zach Galifianakis. They're comfortable. Well, they're Zach comfortable Galifianakis in their own skin. actually. This Reggie re- Watts, this, you know, like this right? relates. Uh, Zach Galifianakis lost like a hundred pounds because he stopped drinking. Wow. Yeah, he looks great. He, but but it is is it like he doesn't a, look emaciated? But is it? But is a Seth Rogen? Um, no, Rogen is like bigger than ever before. He is. Oh yeah. Wait, who? Uh, he lost weight for like a movie. Jonah Hill. He's lost Jonah Hill a lot of fluctuates too. quite a bit. Yeah. But Jonah wait. Jonah Hill just cuts weight, so he's got this weird, not good looking body. Right. It's weird. It is. Weird. So the the last I saw Jonah Hill was in The Beach Bum, which I recommend as a movie. I want to see that. It is a good movie. It is. It, it is not a great movie, but it is a good movie. It's the only. It made me realize there is a connection between Snoop Dogg and Jimmy Buffett. Uh, you Wait. just you just have to see the movie. Okay. All yeah, right. weed. What do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, that would have been my guess. Weed. But but the also sun. the 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 beach bum gets into a certain like sort of um, it the the bridge there. It is is McConaughey's character. Uh, Jimmy Buffett plays Jimmy Buffett in it, a version of Jimmy Buffett. Snoop Dogg plays a. Uh, a, a rapper named Lingerie, uh, but it's basically he's playing Snoop Dogg, uh, uh, just not LA based, uh, but Key West and Miami based. Um, but the the I think I feel like the 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 change in perception of like what's what what is the counterculture uh, is is fascinating uh, in in this movie because it's gone from the Jimmy Buffett like hey let's hang out and uh, and it's it's all is good and so forth to something a little skeevier and a lot richer uh in in the in and it's the same kind of cast of characters and they're doing the same things they're everybody smoking dope and and hanging out and and flying in rickety airplanes and i mean like all the tropes are the same it's just that there's a little bit of uh it's a little weirder and also the the uh um, the the director is uh, uh, Harmony uh, Corinne. Corinne, which uh, who, he also who, who did. wrote who wrote Kids and did not know, direct it. But and you know how he got started from hanging out with Chloe Savini with hanging out on Letterman. <laughs> oh, really? That's really? how he got started. Okay. Yeah, um, he. That's kind of how the kids thing happened. He was just a guest on Letterman a lot. Okay. Yeah. And it's then, a weird like and, New York like, and then and then went on to write some of the most depressing things awful, uh, ever awful, ever awful. ever put onto. Wait, why awful? Stage. What, what's awful? In well, the... I mean, it's it's good art. Oh, it's okay. Just very depressing. Yeah. yeah you don't like good. the ending of Kids, <laughs> the uplifting movie called Kids. <laughs> you know, it, it, he also did Gummo, which Gummo. is terribly depressing. Right. You uh, don't. You mean Gummo, a documentary about now? <laughs> <laughs> You know, a, a little bit of Harmony Corinne lore. He he made a movie where he just had someone film him go up to people and try and get punched. Mm-hmm. I forgot the name of the movie because it was never released. 
No, uh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah, weird. And he would go up and just incite people to the point that they felt like they had to throw the first punch on him, and he would just over and over and over again get punched and pummeled in the face. Hmm. Yeah, therapy should be free. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a knock on harmony. Like, I come from that scene. I come from that, like, weirdo art too smart to like what you are thing. But, uh, yeah, we need- Just from Second City. You know, I am from the second. When I'm not from Chicago, I'm from the second city. I like to pay my dues, literally pay you dues, because in comedy in Chicago, you have to pay to be in the class. Anyways, it's a scam. <laughs> all improv is a joke, and that's the point of it. So, anyways, there we go. I shouldn't crap all over an art form. Why not? You know, like you have to tear down the art to see the art sometimes. No, that's. No. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about um, like one of one of the topics that I feel that you are uniquely qualified, yes, uh, which is this intersection of wrestling and politics. Unfortunately, yes. So, uh, and as, as you have noted in in your book and also on the show, Donald Trump is not theoretically or abstractly a wrestler. He is a wrestler. He is a professional wrestler. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. He is. Uh, this last week, there was. The biggest event of the year, the fifth largest name recognition event in America, WrestleMania, was last Sunday in New York slash New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. Sold out, set an attendance record, but keep uh, keep that as a grain of salt because uh, WWE lies about every single attendance record ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, most famous, Much like the president lies about his weight. Absolutely. This, oh, no, more importantly, his attendance records for his rallies. Right. Or his inaugurations. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> most famously, this relates back to everything we've discussed thus far. At WrestleMania 3, uh, that was the Andre Hogan one in the Silverdome, uh, they, they lied about the attendance record. So then when the Pope visited a few years later, they added more seats to break a fake attendance record. <laughs> So WWF. So it made now. Catholicism better. Yeah. Make Catholicism great again. This, so is, this is what it did. So they gimmick the numbers so a, a, so a religion had to add more seats. Anyways, uh, that happened over Sunday, and um, it doesn't matter if you like wrestling. Uh, you guys were just talking about that Disney merger. If you turned on ESPN uh, this Monday or Tuesday morning, uh, you in the AM at least, you most likely saw uh, new WWE champions Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch on the show mm-hmm. because uh, ESPN occasionally has uh, WWE cast of characters on uh, on FS1, uh, the Fox network. Uh, they also had uh, right. Triple H on because they were announcing a new show. So it's interesting that at the top of the hour you guys talked about that Disney merger. I'm interested to see how WWE will play into all of that as well. Mm-hmm. No, but anyways, so WWE is is a where is it in the corporate property ranks in in there in terms of their relationships with this is like, incredibly fascinating and, and this is why uh, they're a billion dollar company and Vince is worth over three billion dollars. Um, WWE is its own thing. It's, it's, they it's have a their, privately held company. It's a privately held like the Trump organization. It's a publicly held company. Yeah. No, yeah. there's oh, investors. It is public, yeah, it is, I'm an investor. Okay. I'm not an idiot. Okay, I know where the money is in my pocket. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the WWE has their own network, and they were one of the first, clearly Netflix and Hulu were a little bit before them, but they were one of the first to have a devoted network. Uh, five years ago was the first WrestleMania that you could stream, so it went from $75 a pay-per-view to nine ninety nine a month. That's still been going on, and every single year the WWE network has gotten a little bit better in terms of streaming quality and in terms of uh, other programming they have. But in the last year, one of the reasons why the WWE stock has increased uh, so much is because they uh, recently sold their SmackDown show, which is currently airing on Tuesday nights to, on USA Network, to the Fox Network. Okay. So beginning this fall, they'll be on Fox. The first time they've been on network television on a, on a, on a regular night in a very, very long time. Uh, maybe since the uh, 80s uh, NBC Saturday Night Main event. 
anyways, this is important because now they're still owned by USA with Raw, which is one of the top-rated weekly Monday night show. One of the top-rated weekly shows. Period happens to be on Monday night. So that's the N- M- NBC Universal basket. Now they're in the Fox basket, and they still have their own big basket. And they the have the president too. And they have the president in their pocket. And they used to have, as of a few more hours, got eight more hours. Linda McMahon is still the head of the SBA. So, so that's yeah. not a bad thing per se. No, and and w- this is one of the more interesting, you know, things that I, I saw when I saw that Linda McMahon was leaving her post yes. as as small business administrator, uh, is that she uh, had not one whiff of scandal. No, no her, scandals whatsoever. At, at least at with her at the SBA. <clears throat> at the at the SBA, she's I've, had a life full of scandals, uh, mostly on the sidelines. Right. She's been involved in a lot of it. The closest the McMahons have ever gone to actually potentially going to jail was the 92 steroid scandal, mm-hmm. which they compared to 9/11 on September, I want to say th- like 17th, 2001, mm-hmm. when uh, daughter Stephanie McMahon compared her family struggles with, with the with FBI that. steroid scandal to America's struggle mm-hmm. surviving the t- attacks on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. Well, there we have. <laughs> <laughs> wrestling, uh, re- there, there you go. Wrestling. So, but she is, and she is heading to like some sort of advisory role with the president's yeah, election. That, that's why a, a super PAC. Exactly. Uh, she's going to a super the, PAC, right. and that's why it doesn't really matter that she's going away. Um, she's been one of uh, Trump's favorites because if you haven't been paying attention to her specifically, you've very rarely seen her. Uh, I don't know if the viewers could see, but in this studio, there's always three televisions on, and and uh, it's MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. I have never seen Linda on MSNBC or Fox News, sorry, or CNN, but I've seen her a few times on Fox News. Mm-hmm. It's very boring because she's very smart. Right. Uh, Linda was able to make a carny business into a billion dollar business. That was not all Vince. Uh, L- Linda is more the brains behind the operation, and um, she's done a very very good job keeping her nose clean, and uh, she'll be doing the fundraising mm-hmm. for the next campaign. And there. <laughs> So this this may for for people who are not so jazzed about uh, the president's reelection, this isn't so this isn't such great news for liberal this, Democrats. This is know, very so. bad news for liberal Democrats. I think it was in August or July. I think it was August of 2016. It was just after the conventions. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that uh, Trump campaign wasn't going so well. The McMahons were huge donors to them. Without their $6 million at a time that really mattered, we might have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the WWE Hall of Fame, gosh darn it, they're going to support you. Yes. So, uh, Oh, by the way, Snoop Dogg's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, that's right. He Snoop Dogg was introduced like two years ago. So, so as, as Snoop Dogg, not as lingerie. Not as lingerie. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I also like, I, I mean, again. Oh, really quick, really oh, quick yeah, aside. Yeah. Uh, that, this is what I was looking up. I'm not trying to ignore you. I know it's one of the rudest things to do is uh, no, to no, no, like, no. look I, at your I phone. I figured it was for a good reason. Exactly. Uh, this is from uh, the CNBC article, which announced uh, Linda's uh, resignation. The McMahons gave $6 million to that Rebuilding America Now Super PAC, that one I just mentioned. A super PAC that has reportedly come under investigation by federal prosecutors for possible campaign finance violations. So I said Linda's kept her nose clean in the SBA. Mm-hmm. That is true when it comes to the, when fundraising, you get into the campaign finance stuff it's a little trickier so right. that's what i was going with that i apologize no 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 apologies i mean it, because i one of the reasons i think that it is it is important to recognize that even though people may not like wrestling mm-hmm. they need to understand that it has a, a a place in particular in in constructing a narrative yes i mean there there i mean like this is what has is accounts for a lot of its popularity is that people go to wrestling to see a story absolutely and and, and like the, and it's 
It's interesting because I feel like for me, I've the only wrestling uh, event that I've been to actually was just this year. Really, I, I went. I went to uh, a long weekend to Mexico City with some friends and with my wife, and we went to the Arena de Mexico and saw Sunday Night, which is which is not the you know kind of main players. These these are not the the superstars, uh, but it, it was like a, a guy who actually had. There's this. You probably know the, the narrative a little bit more, but this like. Uh, a face named Mystico. Yeah, Mystico. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and it was just this. It was a great show, uh, and I think it, it, it's easier to make some of the connections to when you when they literally have masks on. Oh, you for know, sure. It's like there's the good guys and the bad guys. Also in Mexico, like the the narrative, uh, even though my Spanish is not very good, mm-hmm. was very much that like here the 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 the, the, the bad, are bad guys. The bad guy. The bad guys are like the natives, the native Mexicans, the people from the indigenous culture that have like the sort of indigenous markings, and the good guys are like the more fancy superhero looking guys. Not necessarily true. You're not. No. They're portrayed in that way, but mm-hmm. a lot of the fancy superhero looking guys, which you're correct, that's the whole point. Those guys have the exact same type of tattoos. Okay. So it's it's not so much how they look, but how they portray that look. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So it depends on how I wear my black hat. If I'm a good guy or a bad guy, depending okay. how I wear my mask. Actually, no, the mask is a mask is a mask. But right. it depends on how I portray my body language. Anyways, the what you are describing is the best place in the world to see wrestling. That place has been around longer than any NBA stadium. Mm-hmm. Arena Mexico. Mexico is the Mecca. Um, I know if you're listening to the show, you're, you're like, probably what has happened? Not to a dumb dumb. But <laughs> wrestling's been around since ever. Uh, Lincoln was a shoot wrestler. Shoot means real. Lincoln was an actual wrestler. Uh, George H. W. Bush was a huge fan of Texas wrestling. Um, he's thanked in a lot of uh, retirement uh, programs and stuff like that. This has a long and storied history in American culture and presidential culture. This is nothing new. The difference is. Vince was able to make it so much more cartoonish and for children, which mm-hmm. is smart from a, well, a financial perspective, but also from a safety perspective. If it's this carny thing, who cares about workers' rights? And right. that's why the, that's why, like, as of not this previous Sunday, but the following, the Sunday before, that's why the John Oliver thing exists. There was not one piece of new information in that John Oliver piece, which I'm assuming a lot of the listeners and viewers of this show has has uh, consumed. But a lot of people don't know these things. But if you're a wrestling fan for I don't know, more than three weeks, and you do any sort of basic research, you'll learn about all of these things. Okay. Everything there is about health insurance and about unionization. It's all there or not there, unfortunately. And I the the back to the the sort of the narrative aspects. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that wrestling does like better than a lot a lot of like popular culture and certainly better than a lot of politicians is it defines good guys and bad guys. Yeah. It gets people to sort of identify with one side or root for one side other which if is if they're a, good absolutely yeah, if they're good and they're and that i mean the 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 way that trump has turned politics on its head is by ramping up on the, getting the most loyal people to continue to support him to turn out for what he hopes will be yeah. a, a, an, an election. I mean, it didn't work out in 2018 on the House side for him. Yeah, but it's not about uh, it. He, he doesn't but, care. But but, he does, but you're he? right. He doesn't care. I mean, and what he what he wants is he wants the most loyal people to not lose faith in him. I like don't the, think the, that the, matters either. He doesn't care about who's loyal. He doesn't. He just wants the numbers. And that's he cares what, about loyalty. No, he he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he cares about loyalty. But if if I'm able to get you a, more money, if I'm able to get you more acclaim, that's what he cares about because that's smart. Mm-hmm. It's not a, loyalty means unionization and paying health care for right. workers. Loyalty is a good word to say, but it doesn't really mean anything. It, it, uh, put it this way: it, he cares that people are loyal to him. That, 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 whether that means like they vote for him or whether that means that he they carry out his. 
I, his directives. I think, I think we're fi- we're looking at loyalty. I mean, even yesterday was a perfect example of loyalty does not matter to him. The WikiLeaks thing. Mm-hmm. You run out, and this is exactly what a wrestler would do, a good wrestler would do. You would talk up one thing for literally years, for three, four years, and then the next day go, I don't know who you are. What are you talking can you, about? Can you play that one of those clips just one more time? I just want to hear him say it one more time. It's so good. WikiLeaks. I love WikiLeaks. <laughs> To never heard of them. <laughs> as you That's said. smart. Yeah. That's th- here's my biggest problem. I'm going to now uh, put you, the Bill Press show and every other liberal show on blast right now. Why can't <laughs> anyone just say he's the best speaker? Don't pretend that he's not. Like the, if if from a, if you take a step back and you have no uh, if you don't care about the game if you have no team to root for and you're just the referee based on crowd reaction alone. Trump is the best politician right now. It's that, in terms of mic skills. That's it. That's all I'm saying. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. He is the best at this one thing. Okay, now let's break that down. Why is he so good? What could Democrats be doing to learn from this? What could Republicans be doing to learn from this? No one is willing to say, like, this guy's the best on mic. It doesn't matter who. Fox News won't say it either because then it seems like he's only just good on mic. That's not necessarily a bad thing to be good on Mike. Being good on Mike is a very hard-to-develop skill. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was born with a lot of it, but he really worked hard on this one thing. Someone should give him credit for that right. because that's the kind of carny stuff that puts him over when everyone else is just mad because they're right. Who cares about right and wrong? Right. Learn the carny skills. Well, and, and I wonder if like some of the hesitancy you know, among particularly Democrats, you know, who would want to take him on is this aversion to like, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to be authentic. I'm not going to adopt some shtick. Everything is you know, shtick. But Stop everything it. is shtick. Everything right. is shtick. Like Beto, ju- Beto jumping up on a countertop. That's a shtick. That's a thing. Pete attacking Just, the, right. Pete attack, sorry, Mayor Pete attacking the vice president. That's a shtick. That's a really good shtick. Right. That's a, that's a gimmick that he's taking advantage of. That's okay. Right. But there, I, I do think though that there is, there has been a, a, a lack of like sort of like the rhetorical skills are there yeah. with, with with Trump. Yeah. Uh, and and again, this circles back to the wrestling thing, which is that whether he's actually like, you know, dusting off the playbook, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and saying like, oh, today I'm going to demonize yeah. uh, Kirsten Nielsen. Uh, I, I think it actually comes very naturally to him. Like, yeah. Like knowing he's living. Knowing who, yeah. Knowing that he who exactly he can turn on uh, and cast out. I mean, the, the this last week, you know, this sort of purge at the Department of Homeland Security is a great sort of example. I mean, it, it almost could be a narrative uh, in in a yeah. in a hero villain sort of wrestling uh, narrative in a in a Marvel superhero yeah. movie. You know that like these people who have been loyal and have carried out your your most like harsh directives are not good enough, and so sweeping yeah. them out. Just get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not complicated. Literally no. everything else has happened before. There's only so many stories. He's just really good at pretending that he's the first to do them. Right. Um, real quickly, um, we are we uh, well, we don't have to go quickly, uh, but one one thing that you uh, we, we were also just sort of corresponding about a little bit was this uh, the 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 great go go uh, controversy in Shaw. Uh, for those of you, well, actually, why don't you just take it? Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Shaw is a neighborhood that has been historically African American. In the past ten years, it's becoming more and more less African American, more and more white. Uh, there's a newish condo development a handful of years ago that went up called the Shea. Which Not is, the Shaw, the Shea. Exactly, which is across the street in like uh, two, a couple storefronts over from this uh, Metro PCS store, which blasts Gogo. And when I say blast, that's what I mean. There was a lot of complaints, especially from deaf people. There's a huge deaf contingency in Washington, D.C., uh, that you couldn't hear the signals and stuff. So there was a problem. 
But uh, the signals attract them to cross exactly. the street. And so but rather than focus on that, uh, they were kind of smart. And uh, the the Shea, someone complained at the Shea, it's just too loud. Mm-hmm. And now it became a fight about gentrification, which gentrification is definitely going on. So uh, the past few days, uh, there has been demonstrations and, and concerts. Uh, there was a pop, essentially a pop-up concert at 14th and U on Tuesday. A lot of people. With the Reeve Center, which used to host Go-Go's. It was, and, it was, it was not a, anymore. If you were on the bus, if you walked by it, it was a wonderful thing to see. It was a great, made you feel good about living in Washington, D.C. The next day, the CEO of T-Mobile tweeted out, like, don't worry about it. The Go-Go won't go away. We're going to keep with the Go-Go. And that's wonderful. So if you search T-Mobile CEO, that's the most recent thing. Like, what a, what a smart dude. The week before... The T-Mobile's being uh, questions about spending millions of dollars at the Trump Hotel in lobbying. <laughs> They've had their most successful uh, run ever. Their, total, their quarter four 2018 uh, results were the best in company history because they're about to merge with Sprint. Right. Which they've been trying to do for years. This is wrestling. Right. That's the exact same storyline that has been that happened at Mania with uh, Kofi Kingston is the first African-American since The Rock to have... Actually, no, he's not even... He's just African... No, sorry, he's just black because his dad's from Canada. Anyways, uh, uh, first black champion, first American black champion ever. That's a problem. Becky Lynch is the first person... Sorry, there are three men headlined WrestleMania, first time women headlined it. That should be a problem, but instead we're celebrating these giant progressive steps. But these are things that should have happened years ago. That T-Mobile's narrative is the exact same thing. Brandon, we're going to leave it at that. Thank you very much for dropping by and uh, and, and talking early this Friday morning. You can follow Brandon uh, on Twitter at YMTE. And uh, we will be right back with our friend Alexandra Petri from The Washington Post. This is The Bill Press Show. Welcome back to The Bill Press Show. I'm not Bill Press. I'm Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call. Uh, I am joined by our friend Alexander Petri of the Washington Post in studio here. Alexandra, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Um, let's let's dive right into uh, the literary components of the 2020 uh, presidential race. Oh, yes. Let's please. <laughs> let's please. So uh, we can riff on it. And by the way, we have these delicious waffle things. So if you, if you hear like something uh, that you don't recognize over the uh, the course of the the Broadcast. It's we're we're eating these like waffle. St- Are they from Waffle waffles. House? No, no they're not from waffles. Waffle House. It's they're not from Target. From, yes, no, no, Walgreens. <laughs> but they're the 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 uh, waffles with the little like sort of uh, candied. Oh, sugar the and, sugar in there, yes. the pearl sugar. Yeah. Right. They're very good. Out of respect to you, the listener. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> but they're, uh, they're they're delicious, and and because. Because we we get up so early for this show, like sometimes we don't eat properly. So <laughs> yeah. you know we're uh, we're you know it's, it's coffee and stroop waffle. <laughs> so, that sounds pretty great. Yeah, no, um, that's almost a healthy breakfast. It has waffle in the name. It, it would pro- <laughs> it's probably better. I mean, like earlier today, we were we we're talking to uh, Cam Easley and Clyde McGrady. Uh, they're Southerners. We were talking about the closing of the Hominy Grill in Charleston and the, and the the tragedy surrounding that. And I just sort of started thinking about shrimp and grits. So this uh, this comes in very handy. This oh, good. <laughs> so we're going to dive into again the, the literary components of the 2020 uh, presidential race. And I think that you are uniquely qualified to uh, to discuss this because you know you write stuff and read stuff like <laughs> like 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 I do. And 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 uh, you know other than CRS reports, uh, which yeah, <laughs> but, no, that's true. And uh, it's a relief to get to discuss something you've actually read for once. 
Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the Odyssey and Ulysses. Oh, yes. So, and actually, as a joint English and classics major, I feel like I'm, this is my moment. This is so, our moment. This like, is what we were made for. I, yeah. This is like all the all that education, all those expenses, all that time uh, reading. It's it's now paying off yeah, finally no. here, here on the Bill Press Show. That, that <laughs> second degree afternoon. degree, I should have brought it in with me like, look, it's useful, Ma. It's useful. <laughs> right. See, look, but, it's happening. Yeah. So so there's this uh, your, your, your colleague at the Post, Molly Roberts, wrote this uh, interesting column about uh, how uh, I think it was like how how Buttigieg stole Beto's mojo or something like that, uh, which sounds almost like it could be the 10th installment of Austin Powers. Uh, <laughs> the franchise has gone significantly downhill. Right. Um, but 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 it but it got into this uh, the thing of that Beto O'Rourke, the dem- former Democratic congressman from El Paso and presidential uh, candidate. His favorite book is The Odyssey, and and he that from the, this interview in Vanity Fair, you know, he sees himself as being on a hero's journey, uh, much like Odysseus. Now, well, has he met an old man and asked him to be his mentor? Because that's the number one step. You got to cross the that, threshold, meet an old man. Yeah, yeah. First, you have to call to adventure. Right. Anyway, we got. I think that's his father-in-law. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. No. In, in El Paso, he, um, he would be a good old man. He to would be, your be a good old man. And I I, I do want to get into some of the. Uh, how how complicated a uh, character Odysseus can be, uh, not, not just with modern sensibilities, but with like ancient Greek sensibilities uh, at, at the time, uh, the whole Trojan War stuff and uh, and the sirens and Cyclops oh, yeah. and and so. No, but, and actually, have you read the new translation? Of- I, I did not. I've, I've I I mean, I my my sixteen year old stepson uh, chastised me for having only read the the Fagel's like translation. Oh, I mean, the which he says is classic. Which he says is crap. Oh, wow, fighting words. I like I the fables because it's very like old English. Yes. And yeah. it sort of sounds like it's Beowulf, but you know it's not. But right, it kind right. of sounds like it might be. Right. And 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 I just, I mean, I at first I was sort of taken aback and I'm like, no, this is good. This is good that a 16-year-old even knows what the Odyssey is. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll take it on here. <laughs> no, but you got to read the new one. He's completely right about that. Okay, I will. I will. It's so much more populous than the other one. Okay. All right. We're going there. Um, so the and then Buttigieg, though, uh, Mayor Mayor Pete, uh, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who is surging to within double digits in polling, apparently, <laughs> in, in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, his favorite book is Ulysses by James Joyce, the uh, modern take on the Odyssey by Joyce. Uh, of a of a day that we now know is Bloomsday uh, for for the people who you know I mean there I think there's even like a half marathon yeah. in Spokane on Bloomsday <laughs> or something like that in Washington to show how much it's permeated the culture um, and and Joyce you know takes a day in the life of Leopold Bloom uh, and and Stephen uh, uh, Daedalus, Daedalus um, to like as they kind of romp their way through Dublin on this one day and drink and fart and do all the things all these very small hero things uh, and 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 like James Joyce loved farting so right. like he was an expert in it's this because it's funny right yeah. oh and also he had like a sexual thing with it right but, oh, yeah no oh, fun fact oh. for your listeners uh, <laughs> his correspondence with Nora Barnacle is right. highly fart specific and this is longtime partner. Very, and yeah. and uh, and father of his children. Yes. Very detailed. Uh, Very detailed. So check it out. It's way better than the Warren Harding love letters, just because like you can see the actual enthusiasm there. But for, first time for everything, Bill Press show the Warren Harding love letters. Uh, those I regret. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times we've talked about no, those I feel on this like, show. This is probably a recurring bit. No, yeah, I I love that. Like Mayor Pete comes along and is like, I see your Odyssey and I raise you Ulysses. Right. But and why? I mean, like the the the, the, the one thing that Molly. Uh, Roberts was saying is that like that Buttigieg understands that people need to re- they relate to hero narratives, but they they also need to get their potholes filled. 
And so, like, talking to people in, in, the, in everyday language, like, Joyce elevates the everyday is the way to reach them there. It not, it's not taking 10 years to get back home so you can kill a bunch of people who looked at your wife. That's, that's very interesting because I think the it, it, that's like the nicest possible gloss on like a guy telling you he likes Ulysses. It's like oh because he cares about getting the potholes filled right. and about like the like mundane needs that it's we a all generous, face. A generous yeah. take. On no, it, yeah. it's not just like he showed up and he thought what is the largest book in this room? I'm right. gonna say I like it. And yeah, well I mean and the Capitol Hill. Yeah, books, mine's bigger than yours. My my favorite book. It's it, much larger. It, it is, um, and you don't even know what. Speaking of translations, I mean like obviously uh, Ulysses is written. In, in English, but there are all these different versions of it too, and like they're on display over here on Capitol Hill Books, which is just around the corner. They're, like it's kind of confusing. Which one do you go with? Yeah, and do you take the critical apparatus with it? Right. Like I, have, in my sort of misspent earlier days, I used to play a very ill-advised game that listeners should not play called the Ulysses Drinking Challenge, where whenever you need to consult a footnote, you drink. And I've only made it to page 14 in that. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. But, like, I mean, you, I'm, you I'm surprised you're still alive. Oh, no, honestly. Alcohol poisoning is a real thing. Well, it was just beer, fortunately, <laughs> but it was, yeah, I, I wouldn't advise listeners to do it. And it really did not help me retain the footnotes. And wow. so, you, but you sort of, you get to like page seven and you think, I, know, I don't know what Stately Plump Buck Mulligan is doing anymore, but I need to go lie down and just really drink some water. Um <laughs> So he's still halfway down the stairs. I don't even know what's going on, but uh, right because this again, this seven hundred page tome just catalogs one day. Yeah, I mean it's like dazed and confused if people just stopped every three seconds to like talk about how somebody was going to beat them up in a very poetic manner. Oh yeah, no, and if it, <laughs> it was also a metaphor for everything, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but I also, as someone who has read Portrait of the Artist and then like what wrote did the sort of inexplicable decision of reading like 650 pages into Ulysses and then just stopping and it's like you're that far just finish it Peter why, why not stop yeah. or, or, or why stop well did, did you haven't finished it no I okay. like still I don't know what happens like maybe Molly Bloom won't say yes yes I will yes at the end but I suspect that maybe she will maybe it will work out um, no I, I like uh, full disclosure I have not read Ulysses I have I have read the Odyssey Yes, I, but I um, no one's read Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> I I read the one word that's supposed to sound like something falling down stairs. That he's like right. this this one sounds like you throwing like a dictionary down a flight of stairs or right. something. I, I think that Finnegan's Wake is designed for people who are already drunk. Like like, <laughs> yeah. like you you just keep you you read it along those lines. No, it's like one of those architectural buildings where if you look at it and it looks like a normal building, it's a sign that you need to go home right now because right. it's not actually designed. Yeah. So uh, like we're we're having a good time talking about this. Is this a sign that the Democrats are doomed, though? <laughs> like in 2020, that that like you know Beto and and Mayor Pete are. I mean, they're, they're thinking about like what. I mean, I don't know how much they're actually thinking about this, but like the, that they're just the fact that they read books. Does this mean that Trump is just sort of like romped through the universe uh, on his WWE tour back to reelection? I mean, Brandon. I mean, you've been a, a guest on Brandon's show a number of times. You know that this is very important to him. These no, sort the of WWE metaphor of, is, of Trump is. The essential metaphor, uh, but but are, are they? I mean, is this is this Democrats like thinking too much about story and narrative and so forth? I mean, do, do they? I mean, where where does this leave them? Well, I don't know. I think if you're like my favorite book's The Odyssey, so I'm going to go on an Odyssey in my Honda Odyssey and also like write a blog about it. Like maybe that that's like okay. Like we all love literature, but right. there's such a thing as overdoing it. Um, but there's also sort of the counterpoint that the best way to combat people who are sort of cynical and negative about everything is to be genuinely enthusiastic about what you're genuinely enthusiastic right. about. And so, like, I don't know, I actually find these sort of weird 
nooks where you can peer into people's reading lists fascinating because it people's sort of central narrative for explaining the world tells you a lot about them like i know like ted cruz loves like the simpsons and he also really enjoys captain kirk versus picard like that's information that sort of hmm. tells you about is, is cruz a uh, kirk or a picard guy oh he's a kirk guy 100 percent. okay that makes sense that yeah makes no sense. It, it, it's not surprising news right. and like stacy abrams like she's she's janeway yeah she's janeway <laughs> and she voluntarily read silas marner as like an 11 year old so like i just want to keep hearing what literature people love yeah. like well, what I is kirsten gillibrand's favorite book like sign me up t- t- let's have a book club let's all read this and discuss well and and i think that you know <laughs> maybe we're... it's doomed yeah i know well, <laughs> it sounds like it's doomed if i'm well, like let's have a book club guys well i mean but i i think that one of the things that you're onto though here is that this is important like i mean like i mean you know beto like had a did a facebook he facebook live to teeth cleaning and so forth which was probably the sign that like he had gone a little too far uh but i do think that people want to to, to find out what is what makes a person tick and the ways that they may connect with them and uh, and the teeth cleaning people do not connect on on teeth cleaning but they do connect. And there's over... one oral hygiene right. bro who's like so upset right now. Right. He's like, "Man, I floss every like, day, and that was connecting with me, do... and now I've been shamed for loving right. this content." Um, <laughs> like, I mean, I I really like my quip or whatever it's called, right? Yeah. You know, like I like being timed. You know, on on what how does how much to spend on. Oh, I'm like you know? so law abiding to the point that like sometimes I I won't notice that it's gone off, and I'll be standing there for like ten minutes, like waiting, like that, which I like, feel like I failed the Milgram experiment. Right, but, but, but. <laughs> or a B.F. Skinner, like going yeah. back back even further. But like people bond over these things. They bond over what movies are important to them. They bond over what books are important to them. They bond over food. We were talking about food earlier. And and like that this is something that everybody can relate to. And I feel like that is I mean maybe we're getting a little expansive uh in in, in this world and we do need to hear a little bit a, a more about like what people's vision for the country is. But I feel like you can talk about what your vision for the country is at the same time that you can connect with people. And maybe this is just the way that they're connecting. Yeah. And I I think also there's the question of sort of like, what is the opposite of Trump? Because a lot of people are like, something about that man really rubs me the wrong way. (laughs) People are saying Donald Trump isn't that great. A a bold insight. No, but I think, so the idea, like, what's the opposite? And maybe, and some people are like, the opposite of Trump is competence. And other people are like, maybe the opposite of Trump is like, he doesn't seem to have any particular thing. Like, if you were like, what Donald Trump's favorite book? He always says, All Quiet on the Western Front, which I don't believe he's ever read. I don't know. I, I have my doubts. And also, I feel like he maybe saw the movie, but I don't believe. The one with John Boy in it? Where he was. Is, <laughs> there, I, there was I one where, you, like, yeah, the, where the, I forget the actor's name, but the guy who played John Boy in the Waltons, he, he played uh, the main character. So oh, man. That's the one I saw when I was like a little kid. Well, it, that sounds right. That sounds like probably. Uh, what he would have seen uh but so like someone who actually likes things maybe it's like uh, who has a personality that expands in that direction as well maybe that's the opposite of trump that people are looking for i don't know so it's like it's going to be interesting to be like no uh, like the like in what way are you the answer to the sort of puzzle that we're living in right and and i mean certainly like the uh, i mean the the people who are gravitating towards somebody like bernie think that like well he's this guy can can take him on you know, because he's just as sort of like animated and irascible and, you know, he's from Brooklyn and Trump's from Queens. That was, that's what we really need, especially if we want a nervous breakdown, uh, you know, to, to see these these sort of debates. Two old New Yorkers yelling at each other. Like, can you imagine, like, how what a relaxing way to plot the future of the country? <laughs> I, I feel more relaxed already. <laughs> but I, I, I think that there there might be, I mean, like, I mean, the, this 
like the opposite of Trump or the the contrast. Our friend Brandon would say, you know, if, if Trump is a heel, you need a face exactly. to, to deal. You need a good guy. You don't beat uh, Thanos with uh, Thanos light. No, uh, in 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 the in in the Avengers land. No, because then you uh, just, you just want the real thing. Right, right. You and and um, you know. The, so I I don't know. I I feel like these these things are. I mean that we're still. It feels like the election is like next week or whatever. But we have to keep in mind that it's still. It's eight hundred years from right, now. It in, is in Trump years. in Trump years. Um, in in dog years, I'm dead. Right. Oh I mean, yeah. The, like the, the, the sort of thing. But I I just I feel like this is these. These are the sort of issues that people are are they don't think about enough about like what what does what somebody what motivates somebody like truly motivates somebody what does that say about who they are yeah and no and I think it's one of the things that we sort of wrestle with as a country is like do we all have like one base of reference where it's like oh like we can all talk about like Ulysses yeah Ulysses <laughs> or like the Catcher in the Rye like we right. all know like if you read the Catcher in the Rye and you like enjoyed it probably like you should be put on a watch list but like that's as far right. as we go sort of culturally um but it's nice having like a metaphor that isn't Harry Potter for once to talk about like how are people doing right in terms of uh, publicly, so yeah, I just uh, want to open a call to anyone who's running for office and has a favorite book. Like, please, like, publicize. Let that. us know what your book is. Yeah. And, and you cannot say books that you wrote yourself or that somebody wrote for you. Exactly, and <laughs> right. you can't All say these campaign like, books. the Ballers pilot Elizabeth Warren. Although, like, I, she does love Ballers, and okay. I respect that she appreciates that cultural. I, I actually, I don't know this reference. Oh yeah, yeah she please. loves Ballers, the the show, the HBO, HBO show, with yeah, the rock. with the Rock. Oh, yeah, are you kidding me? This is like her favorite thing. Really? Apparently. Wow. Uh, who knew? Like Las Vegas professional football. Well, Miami so, first, and then Las Vegas. I need to go consume that content. Like, so yeah, that when I you said ballers, I was like, did, did I hear that right? Yeah, I did. Like, wow. All right, there but, we go. Yeah. I, so this. Do you think? Do you think that's real? Do you think? Do you think she really likes that? Like, like of all the things to pick arbitrarily gonna, to like, you wouldn't pick ballers. I was gonna say that's a really weird one to pick. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, that's a real weird one to pick. Yeah. I mean, like the you know when she cracked the beer, you know, and, and announcing her. Her, you know, campaign yeah. and and walked out with the dog, you know, and put her, you know, LL Bean to, vest on. Or I whatever. do love to drink beer. Yes, I, Look I at mean, me drink this beer. Right, that didn't seem that authentic. But you're right, ballers. Like I, and plus, like it dates back to like in, when she was in uh, the Senate. You can like track like in 2017, she was on record like loving ballers. Like this has been a consistent theme. All right, uh, I mean, maybe that's why Scott Brown. Lost is he wasn't well actually that predates the, the that race in in, in 2012 predates but his, like so, even yeah, the people sense. who like ballers don't publicly admit that they like ballers <laughs> yeah see so but I feel like just liking the thing you authentically like which is usually sort of political anathema maybe we're in a good cycle for this and I have to say it's also exciting that uh, everyone's not like oh, I can't believe that you read a book. And it's, <laughs> I, I disdain it. How will we have beer with you now, knowing that you voluntarily consumed James Joyce? Instead, everyone's like, "This is a fun fact." Right. So I guess we're a kinder, gentler nation, or something. Uh, yeah, probably. Or maybe the specific <laughs> bubble where this is being heavily discussed. Right. Is... Um, I feel like without we, we we need to mention the possibility of a Star Wars trailer. Yes. Uh, today, do you think this is going to happen? There's a, it's a Star Wars celebration in Chicago. Yeah, starting... They usually like release something, they give little tidbits or whatever. Uh, you know, what what are you expecting here? You know, in terms of because we were talking about Disney and properties and Star Wars and so forth, and we talked about the business side of it. I mean, this is again to the narrative side of things. What do you think? I well, I just want them. I'm trying to decide if I want them to come out with the trailer first or the name of the movie first because they still haven't told us what the movie is called. Yeah. We're almost running into like the Revenge of the Jedi territory here. Right. 
Well, they changed. Yeah, they, and, and again, for for those of you uh, who do not remember 1983, it was Revenge of the Jedi up until like a couple of weeks before release, and then they were like, "Let's do Return of the Jedi," which yeah. was a little yeah. bit of a you know, it, it, I. I, you know, Revenge of the Jedi certainly would have put it in darker territory. Yeah, no, speaking uh, of Joseph Campbell, misstructure, like, he's got to right. just return with the boon. Like, it was a good choice. They saved it for the far better film, Revenge of the Sith. Oh. Yes. <laughs> no Ewoks. Yeah, so. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, no, so are, are I you... love those Ewoks. I'm an Ewok apologist. You are an Ewok apologist? I mean, I don't think they're as cute. Like, there's always, like, one cute thing that sort of, like, chips away at your soul in, like, every mm. other Star Wars movie. Right. But I enjoyed the technology they used to defeat the Empire. Rocks. Yeah, yeah. rocks. Well, I mean, like, I mean, the, the, a, la- a laser can bounce off of a Stormtrooper's uniform, but if you hit him with a rock... Uh, yep. You're an Ewok. You're two foot tall, uh, little, uh, basically a, co- co- a cross between a Shih Tzu and a raccoon. Like you, you, <laughs> like you, you no. can you can knock out a stormtrooper. It's with full a rock. galaxy brain with these Ewoks. Uh, have you considered rocks? Yeah, so, and they almost eat the protagonist, which like that really endears me to almost anyone. Like, right? No, they would have been in much darker territory if they would have eaten like Han Solo and uh, and and Luke Skywalker. You know, in Return of the Jedi, that would have been that, that would have been an ending. Imagine, yeah, C three PO suddenly. <laughs> the obvious like banner carrier for the franchise that he's always sort of been under the surface but now it's just overt because right. his companions are dead at his command uh, oh it, that's a movie I'd watch I mean it's I, not too late for it, it, it isn't well and I wonder do you think I mean because we're in what I think people would classify as a dark time in our history um do you think this that Star Wars will will convey that? I mean, because the last movie was fairly dark. I'm not talking about Solo. Oh no, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know the, the 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 we're getting in dark territory. Although you know the second film of any you know, series ten, tends to be a little darker. Although I guess you know the the clones one the. Uh, or, Send in the clones or whatever episode two, <laughs> Send in whatever, the clones. whatever episode two was wasn't that dark. Um, but, well, it was dark because like you saw what was supposed to be a major love story, and it just turned into them complaining about sand mutually. Right, sand. I hate sand. Uh, and then like the kind of this muddy store storyboard digital effect at the end, where you saw all the clones like taking off, is not a good movie. Oh no! So. It, but it, so, are you expecting like this to end on a on an up note? I mean, obviously, this isn't going to be the last of the Star Wars universe. But for these people, for the for the the Skywalker people and so forth, this is lights out. Right. Well, it's funny because I feel like The Last Jedi did so many things to sort of break with Star Wars tradition that I'm almost confused what a third movie in this particular trilogy is going to do. Right. Because they were like, they've been really sort of chipping away at the idea of the Force and the dark and the light and it being sort of more than that. And they had the idea that it's sort of confined to the Skywalkers and it's more than that. And sort of figuring out, what, like, what's Kylo going to do with himself? I think insofar as... the there will be a plot connection to the first two. They must have had some idea what Kylo Ren's arc was going to be, and so whatever he does in this movie, that's probably... I think it just ends up in a Jim Jarmusch zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, are you as confused by this this movie as I am? The this uh, the the dead the dead don't die. The dead don't uh, die. This is this is going to explain gonna, it oh, to me. So Jim Jarmusch, uh, the the. Uh, a director of uh, Night on Earth and Ghost Dog and Patterson with uh, with oh, Adam that Driver. Remember, yeah. uh, so his latest movie and it's opening at Cannes uh, is The Dead Don't Die, uh, and it's got Adam Driver, Bill Murray, and Chloe Savini as police officers in upstate New York uh, fighting a zombie apocalypse in the town. Some of the zombies include Iggy Pop. Uh, and- <laughs> 
It, we always knew it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the the stars of this movie are insane. Yes. Right? I yeah. mean, there's Danny Glover, right. you mentioned Iggy Pop, Tom Waits is in the movie. Tom, Tom Waits is in, in a lot Jim of Jarmusch uh, movies. movies. Yeah, yeah. It, this is like his re- his repertoire like of, yeah. of, of actors. Uh, but as, yes, Adam Driver is uh, is the is one of the deputies or is one of the police officers in town. Uh, and uh, so, he, yeah, he, he the way that he t- can toggle back and forth between uh, like Star Wars, Jim Jarmusch movies about poets yeah, in New Jersey. Yeah, he's on Broadway right now and he's, burned this. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It, it's it'll With be Carrie Russell, who's also going to be in the new Star Wars movie. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so anyway, th- so I, I yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to, th- and I I also am starting to feel a little over overwhelmed because it's like we also have again when you when you live with a 16 year old, you know all this stuff. Game of Thrones on Sunday, uh, a, a possible Star Wars trailer today. Uh, Avengers coming out soon. I haven't even seen Captain Marvel yet. Uh, Never so, have I. Uh, and I I feel behind, but. Uh, we, we mentioned this earlier before uh, before we went on air. I do want to mention a movie that is not any of these uh, that is worth watching, uh, and, and that's called All is True. Uh, it is by Kenneth Branagh. It is about Shakespeare's last uh, year of life uh, after he left London and went back to, to Avon to live out his, his months and, and haunted by the ghost of his son. The, oh, the, Hamnet. Who, who, yeah, Hem, Hemnet, yes. Uh, not Hamlet, but Hamlet. No, no, Hamnet. <laughs> yeah, he, Which he, sounds like hairnet, uh, kind really, of, it unfortunately. It sounds like, oh, you're going to be handling pork products in the, like, <laughs> you got to have a hamnet. Yes, um, exactly. Or maybe that's what hams, country hams are. are uh, yeah, they're suspended in a hamnet. Yeah. Uh, th- this movie is great. Judy Dench is in it. Kenneth, uh, she plays Anne Hathaway. Who's playing uh, Judith, his daughter? Uh, yeah. um, uh, or did oh, she die already? No, no, no. Movie? They're both, uh, both, both daughters are in, are in it. Uh, I, and I, and there's sort of a war between the two of them. Um, oh, is he dividing and, up the kingdom wrong? Well, they want they want to figure out like where everything is going to go, where the money's going to oh, go. Oh yeah, who's getting the see. second best bed? Like right. the number one question. Well, and actually, this is this is part of it. This is part. Of it. So there's all kinds of like inside Shakespeare jokes about it. And Brenna does just a great job. I mean, this is how he made his career, you know, with Henry V, and he is he's he's fabulous in it. And I know that you have a particular interest in Shakespeare. Yeah, I love Shakespeare. Um, so I, uh, I I wanted to put that out along with our discussion of Star Wars. Avengers, Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, no, because all the pop culture is ending this year. Right. Everything's ending. The Star Wars new trilogy, and the yet Avengers. Th- they're putting it in the vault, and then yeah. they'll bring it back out in Disney, right? <laughs> no, so what's the next phase? <laughs> Alexandra Petra, thank you so much for dropping by today and t- and having a discussion on this Friday. And uh, good weekend to you. This and to you as well. This is the Bill Press Show.